Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Let's open up our Bibles to Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 15, we will be in a number of different places in the Bible, lots of places in the Old Testament this morning. And so let's get those Bibles cranking to Deuteronomy chapter 15. That is where we will begin momentarily. It is great to see everybody on this fine first day of the week, the Lord's Day. I am very glad and delighted that you've made the decision uh, to be here and to join us for this period of of worship and reverence unto God, and I hope that over the course of these next few minutes that uh, I will do my part in directing our minds to His Word in such a way that will draw us closer to Him and closer to His will. That's what we want to try to accomplish every time that we open up the Bible. Let's read together in Deuteronomy chapter 15. As Moses is about to send the Israelites into the promised land, he says to them in verse 4, in Deuteronomy 15 and in verse 4, he says that there will be no poor among you, For the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you this day. Strictly obey the voice of the Lord. How many times have you been in a religious conversation... And maybe the person that you're talking to, they say some things about where they go to church. And then you say some things about where you go to church. And you're kind of talking back and forth about that. And you're noticing and they're noticing that there's some differences between what they believe and what they do and what you believe and what you do. And so maybe you then offer some explanations for why you believe and why you do the things that you do religiously. Maybe you say, hey, this is the reason that we believe baptism is essential. For our salvation. Or maybe you say, hey, this is the reason why we do not use instrumental music in our worship unto God. Or this is the reason as to why we take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Or here's the reasons why we don't have a coffee bar or a jungle gym or gymnasium or any of that kind of stuff here. And you try to offer some, not only some explanations, but some passages. Try to provide a biblical basis for why you believe and why you practice the way that you do. And after you get done laying all of that out and sharing all that stuff, the other person then looks at you, and maybe with a tone of exasperation in their voice, they say, you all are just too strict down there. I've heard about the Church of Christ before. And you know what, you guys, you're just just too strict. You know, why are you all so picky about all those things? Maybe you've even been in conversation with somebody and for whatever reason they felt comfortable enough to label you as a legalist. Y'all are just so legalistic down there. Well, that's a very flattering thing to say to somebody. Evidently, we're kind of looked at as being like the, like the police officer who hides in the bush and then gives people tickets for driving 56 and a 55. We're like the IRS agent who comes and audits people because Well, because they missed a comma when they filed their tax return. We're like the judge who just throws the book at people for jaywalking because their foot went one millimeter past the crosswalk line. That's kind of how we're looked at in a lot of ways. Why are you people so strict? In fact, the word that I think a lot of people want to throw in our direction is the word Pharisee. That's it. Y'all are just so pharisaical. My question this morning is, how do we answer that? How do we respond to that? The truth is, if you try to answer those charges 
by just bringing more Scripture to the table, well, in the minds of many, all that does is it just reinforces what they already believe, and that is, you're a Pharisee. You're a legalist. That's exactly what a Pharisee would do. They just bring more Bible to the discussion. Well, how do we respond to that? How do we answer that when we're confronted with that by other people? Maybe even more importantly than what we say to others, what do we say to ourselves? Have you maybe ever at any point in your life ever thought to yourself, man, you know, maybe we are a little overly strict in our practices. Maybe we shouldn't be so picky about those things. In the religious world today, I would dare say that we are, we are very much in the minority. Many religious groups today, they do not have the same kind of of careful, measured approach to the Bible, to the authority of the Bible that we believe that God calls for and that we're trying to exercise as a congregation and as individual Christians. Lots of churches, lots of so-called Christians today are very, very loose with respect to what God says about, about worship, very loose with what God says about the work and the organization of the church. Very loose and very flimsy with what the Bible says about about salvation. Very loose about what the Bible says about various issues of morality. While we're over here asking the question, hey, where does the Bible authorize that? Many others are looking right back at us and they're saying, hey, lighten up. Loosen up. Why are you all so strict about everything? Our opening text in Deuteronomy 15 and in verse 5 seems to suggest that being strict with God's commands, that that's actually a positive thing. While on the other hand, many people in our world today would have us to believe that being strict with God's commands, that that's a negative thing. How do we, how do we sort all of that out? And furthermore, as we're talking with others, how do we talk in a wise way? How do we talk about this with people who maybe believe very, very different than we do? People who think that we are way too strict, way too stringent, way too rigid in our approach to serving God. Well, this morning I want to tackle that subject and I want to do that by looking at three areas that really need to be explored. First of all, I want us to begin by making a very uncomfortable confession. Then I want us to confront an inescapable reality. And then finally, I want us to ask a question that I do not believe can be answered. That's our roadmap for us this morning as we deal with this heavy, heavy charge of being too strict. And let's just start with that first thing. Let's just start with that uncomfortable confession. Many times when folks accuse us of being overly strict, and they lob out the Pharisee label or the legalistic label, many times our knee-jerk reaction in that moment, at least my knee-jerk reaction is to get defensive. Get my back pushed up against a wall, and I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to just retaliate in some way. I don't like being called a legalist. I don't like being labeled a Pharisee. And so, hey, let me just tell you 15 reasons why that's not true, and I'll just lay it all out here for you. Well, hold up a second. Maybe instead of just getting reactionary and immediately just rejecting that charge, maybe what we ought to do is we ought to hold place for a second And maybe what we ought to admit is, you know what? You might be right. You might be right because, number one, it is possible to be too strict. Have you ever thought about that? That is a possibility. 
It is entirely possible to be overly strict with God's law. And I want you to know, and the Bible's going to help us to know, that that's not a good thing. And I know that because that's what Jesus says. Let's just get the words of Jesus here. Look with me in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, I'm looking forward, beginning Wednesday night, to studying the Gospel of Mark here in the auditorium uh, class. Mark chapter 3 begins with these words, beginning in verse 1. Mark 3 verse 1, again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they, back up and you'll find out that's the Pharisees, they watched Jesus to see whether they would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. The background of this scene is that the Pharisees had taken God's law about don't work on the Sabbath, and they had taken that law and they had, they had tightened it up, so to speak. They had taken the wrench to it or taken the screwdriver to it, made it even more strict, tightened that thing up even more. And so in the presence of all of these guys who had made all of these super strict rules, Jesus then looks around, verse 3, And he says to that man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? But they, they were silent. He looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus was angry that these Pharisees, these religious leaders, that they had added to God's law with their man-made laws, their man-made rules, their man-made regulations that were so strict. In fact, Jesus is even more explicit about that ultra-scrupulous behavior of the Pharisees in Matthew 15. Fall back to Matthew chapter 15. Listen to what Jesus says here. This is a scathing set of verses. In Matthew 15, beginning in verse 1, Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they don't wash their hands when they eat. So this is another issue that they had just got all kinds of ideas about, got all strict about how that needs to be done. Verse 3, Jesus answered them, Well, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, that he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your traditions, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of of men. I want you to notice that Jesus did not say, whoa, I'm really impressed with how strict you guys are. Hey, good job there. Man, you are so scrupulous. Thumbs up for you, man. You guys have built all these extra safeguards around the law of God. Hey, man, that's awesome. You're just the most strictest people ever. You're even more strict than God. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus does not commend them for their super strictness. In fact, just turn over a few pages to Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is even more explicit as He condemns their ways. In Matthew chapter 23, look in verse 13. Matthew 23, 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Jesus says your over-strictness, it is keeping people away from God. Woe to you, he says. 
And that is exactly why I believe that we need to just begin this discussion with the acknowledgement that it is possible to be like the Pharisees. It is possible to be too strict with what God has commanded. And that happens for a number of different reasons. Sometimes that happens because people think that God's law is is a little bit hazy, it's not entirely clear. And so they decide to themselves, well, hey, I, I think we better define what that means. You know, that law of Moses about, about don't work on the Sabbath. Well, we didn't really define what work means, so, so I'll decide what that means. And I'll set the parameters of exactly what means work. Sometimes that happens because people think that God has maybe kind of just left some detail out. Think, for example, in the book of Galatians. Paul deals with people in the book of Galatians who were adding to the gospel. There were people who were saying, you got to be circumcised and you got to be a Jew in order to become a Christian. And they were saying that and they were putting that out there because, well, apparently God didn't say that. He forgot to say that. So we're going to say that and we're going to make sure you know that. Sometimes this happens because people end up elevating their own personal think-sos, their own personal opinions, their own personal preferences as being on par, being equal with God's law. That, hey, this is, this is what I like, or this is what I'm used to, this is what I grew up doing, this is what my granddaddy did. And before you know it, here's this thing that was merely a matter of personal preference, personal convenience, personal conviction. It's now being bound and ladled on others as if it were Scripture. However that gets there, the end result is still the same. When people speak where God has not spoken, when people bind where God has not bound, it makes God's law stricter than He intended, and Jesus makes clear that's wrong. That's not good. And here's the really uncomfortable confession part. Sometimes, sometimes the people who do that is us. Sometimes we're guilty of doing that. We are the people who are trying to be careful with the Word of God. We are the people who love God and we love His Word. We are the people who are trying to be serious about our religion. And that is unfortunately exactly the kind of people who are going to be so determined to obey God's Word that sometimes we end up adding to or supplementing to that. And before you know it, we're being stricter than what God actually calls for. We can do that. I must painfully tell you, I have done that. There are times when I have confused God's rules with my rules, or with what I grew up with, or what I thought was best. And in those moments, I am exactly guilty of what the Pharisees were guilty of in those passages that we just read. And so before I get all defensive, when somebody throws out the, you guys are too strict down there thing, When somebody throws out the Pharisee label or the legalist label, maybe what I ought to do is I ought to just hold place for a second. Maybe I ought to do a little bit of self-examination to see if maybe there's any measure of truth to that. And maybe what I'd even want to say if I'm talking to somebody is maybe I'd want to say, you know what, I sure don't want to be guilty of that. I sure don't want to be guilty of being more strict than what God requires. And maybe you can help me. If maybe you see something in what I'm doing that maybe seems more strict than what God actually commands, help me to see that. I don't want to be guilty of being like a Pharisee. Help me. Because it is possible to be too strict. 
Now, right there, somebody may say, well, well, there you go. That just kind of fixes the whole problem, doesn't it? Y'all are just too strict. You admitted it, that you can be too strict. Everybody just needs to loosen up then. That's really the fix to all this. We all just need to loosen up. Well, hold on just a moment. Because there is this second thing. There is this inescapable reality that I think needs to be placed right at the center of this discussion. And that is that God expects and God demands careful obedience. I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on that word, careful obedience. That is the undeniable truth of Scripture. While it is true that we, as God's people, we sometimes do struggle with point number one, the religious world at large seems to really struggle with this point number two. And that is that God expects people to hear and understand and then do exactly what He says. And that's been true from the very beginning. Would you go back to Genesis chapter 2? In Genesis chapter 2, let's just stack up some passages. In Genesis chapter 2, this is the first recorded command that is given by God to a human being. And we are told in Genesis chapter 2, in verse 16, Genesis 2, 16, the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. I want you to please notice in the verses that follow, Adam does not say, now, come on, God, that's just a little bit too strict. I can eat of these trees, but I can't eat of that one tree. That's way too strict, Lord. No. And furthermore, in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve end up violating that command that God gave them, I want you to notice that God did not say, oh, guys, I'm just so sorry. Boy, I just set you guys up to fail. I gave you a command that was way too strict. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize for being so stringent with the commands that I gave you. No, that's not what God says. In fact, you continue on in Genesis chapter 4, and you meet Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel, and they bring their offerings to the Lord. Look at what we're told there in Genesis 4, beginning in verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now we don't even know all of the worship rules and the worship requirements that were in place at this point in time. But somehow and in some way, Cain missed the mark. And I want you to notice in the verses that follow, God does not say, oh, Cain, you know, don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I wasn't clear enough. You know, you don't have to be so careful. You know, I, I don't want you to turn into a legalist in some kind of way. Don't worry about it, buddy. You just, you just offer me whatever kind of worship you can offer. No, the text says God had no regard for His worship. And that theme just works out all throughout the whole rest of the Old Testament and through the New Testament. Has anybody ever read the books of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy? I mean, there's just pages upon pages upon pages of super detailed rules, super meticulous instructions, measurements down to the, to the specific degree for the construction of the tabernacle, for the articles of clothing that were to be used by the priests, laws that govern particularly every aspect of daily life. 
What's all of that stuff doing in the Bible if careful obedience to God doesn't matter? Is God just saying all that stuff just to be saying it? Look with me in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's just run a couple passages in Deuteronomy again. In Deuteronomy chapter 11. Notice here, Deuteronomy is really Moses' farewell address to the people of Israel. And I want you to notice, Moses does not say, now, now Israel, when, when you go into Canaan, don't, 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 don't y'all turn into a bunch of legalistic folks. It's not what Moses says as he prepares them for life in the promised land. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, look in verse 8. Deuteronomy 11 and verse 8, you shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and take possession of that land that you are going over to possess. You keep the whole set of commands. And there's a lot here in Deuteronomy. Jump ahead. Go back to Deuteronomy 15 where we started. In Deuteronomy 15, can we read that verse again in verse 5? In Deuteronomy 15 and in verse 5, he says, If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. That is one of the 25, I counted them, 25 different times in the book of Deuteronomy where Moses says, you be careful with God's law. Look in chapter 32. In chapter 32, Moses is wrapping up this second telling of the law. Notice how this was not just something for that generation right there. Moses actually says that there's some expectation that this is going to be perpetual. This is going to be ongoing even for future generations. Deuteronomy 32, look in verse 46. Deuteronomy 32, I'm on the wrong page. Deuteronomy 32, verse 46, he said to them, Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today, that you may command them to your children, that they may be careful to do all the words of this law. While some people would have us to believe that Jesus' rebuke of the Pharisees for being too strict and too careful, lots of people would have us to believe that that kind of thing is on every page of the Bible. The truth of the matter is, the Bible has a whole lot more to say about this second point because throughout history it seems that men and women have struggled with not being careful enough. And that is why God just continues again and again, to beat that drum of careful obedience. Look in the very next book of the Bible, in Joshua 1. In Joshua 1, Moses has passed on. Joshua is now the leader of God's people. And listen to what the Lord charges him. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. He says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand, or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That passage really ends up setting the tone for the rest of the Old Testament. That passage ends up setting the standard by which Israel as a nation was going to have to live and conduct themselves. And so, for example, look in 2 Kings chapter 10. In 2 Kings chapter 10, watch what happens when the leader at that time, the king, when he doesn't lead with careful respect for God's Word. In 2 Kings chapter 10, this is we're told about the reign of King Jehu. In 2 Kings chapter 10, this is verse 31. 
But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. Look at verse 32 now. Look at the effect of that. In those days then, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. Hazael defeated them throughout the territory of Israel. Do you see what happened there? When God's people were not careful with His Word, God removed His favor. God removed His blessings and His protection. In fact, jump a little bit further in your Old Testament in history. Look at the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 20, I want you to notice that even as we near the New Testament, God doesn't lighten up. God has not changed His expectations for what He expects from people. In Ezekiel chapter 20, this is verse 19. In Ezekiel 20 and in verse 19, I am the Lord your God. Walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Here's the bad news though, verse 21. But the children, they rebelled against me. They did not walk in my statutes and they were not careful to obey my rules. There's a hint of sadness. Disappointment as God says this. You know, very rarely do we find God having to speak and rein His people in for y'all just being too strict. Very rarely do we see that. But this, this is what we see over and over and over again. Usually the problem is not over strictness. No, most of the time God's having to say to people, can somebody please pay attention to what I've told you to do? Can anybody around here take me seriously and obey my word carefully? What's shocking about that is that in our day and time, more and more, it seems that we are arriving at a place in the religious world where the word obedience is frowned upon. The word obedience in many religious circles is almost looked at as a dirty word. I mean, come on, Josh, don't you know... We're living under the New Testament covenant. You're over here reading all this Old Testament stuff, and we will get to the New Testament in just a second. But you're reading all that Old Testament stuff. In the New Covenant, it's all about grace. And it's all about the love of God. And it's all about the heart. That's really all that matters. It's about the heart. As if somehow love for the Lord and careful obedience, well, those two things can't exist. It's almost as if people think of those things as being mutually exclusive ideas. They, they just can't go together. But biblically, biblically real love for the Lord, it's always connected to careful obedience. Would you go back to Joshua again? Look in Joshua 22. I want you to see this point from the Old Testament. Because lots of people think that the Old Testament was well, just a bunch of, about a bunch of rules, just keeping the rules, and God wasn't concerned with the heart. That's false. God was very concerned about the heart. Always has been. In Joshua chapter 22, look in verse 15. In Joshua 22 and in verse 15, there the text says, Joshua chapter 22, no, excuse me, verse 5. Joshua 22 verse 5. I know that didn't look right. Joshua 22 5. The Lord says, Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to keep His commandments and to cling to Him and to serve Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. I want you to notice that Joshua does not seem to think that careful obedience, somehow that that mitigates loving the Lord. No, Joshua says those two things, they go hand in hand. 
People who really love the Lord are going to be careful in their obedience. And that is probably most famously echoed in the New Testament by Jesus in John the 14th chapter. In John chapter 14, listen to what Jesus says as being a mark of true love for Him. In John chapter 14, this is verse 15, Jesus says there, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And if we didn't get it the first time, He doubles down on it again. Verse 21, Whoever has My commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves Me. I'll say again, it is possible to be too strict. And that is something we want to avoid and that's something that we want no part of. Jesus had no patience for that. But you know what? Just because there are some people who have gone too far in one direction, that does not mean that we can then go in the equally wrong direction in the other way where we can just kind of be... Well, we can just kind of be fast and we can just kind of be loose with the commands of God. I don't want to be too strict, so, so I'll go over here and I'll be loose and I'll be free and just kind of just wing it and take it as it comes. Jesus says that the one who truly loves Him is the one who is careful in their obedience. Because that's what God demands. In fact, that's what God deserves. I'll close this point in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus paints up a, a miniature portrait of the judgment scene, He says in verse 21, Matthew 7, verse 21, He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Just say right here, we need to get that figured out. We need to get figured out what is the will of the Father and then do that. And if we don't, because, well, maybe we, we meant well, we had good intentions, but we didn't actually do it, we weren't really careful... Maybe because we had some different ideas, some other think-sos that we kind of incorporated into it, and, and that's how we did that. Look at the response to those people. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't, didn't we prophesy in your name? And we cast out demons in your name? And we did many mighty works in your name? Hey, we, we, we obeyed. We did some stuff. It seemed like we obeyed. Verse 23, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See that word lawlessness? Lawlessness implies that there is a law that must be kept, and in fact it must be kept carefully. And what all of these passages that we've looked at, and this is really just the tip of the iceberg, what all of these passages point to is this inescapable reality, that God expects His law to be carefully observed and carefully obeyed. Which brings me to this third area that is worthy of our consideration, and that is this unanswerable question. You know, this business of us being strict about things and being strict in our obedience and being careful in our obedience to God, that really rubs a lot of people the wrong way. You guys down there, y'all just need to lighten up. You don't need to be so picky about all these things and... Quit worrying about it if everybody else doesn't, doesn't do it exactly that way. Okay, here's my question. My question is, if we disobey over here, then what's to stop disobeying over there? Think about this. If, if a pilot gets behind the controls of a plane, and he says or he thinks to himself, you know, I, I don't want to be limited, restricted 
by the flight path that the FAA has set in order and have to fly that exact course and do it exactly that way. I, I just want to be free. I want to tear off that restraint. I just want to fly. I just want to enjoy myself. I just want to go wherever I want. And another pilot in another plane somewhere else in the air, he says, you know what? I don't want to be restricted either. I don't want to have to stick to those guidelines, stick to those strict rules that the FAA has set in place. I just want to go wherever I want. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is eventually, boom, they're going to meet in the air. and It isn't going to be pretty. What if somebody wins one of those big lotteries, the Mega Ball, Power Ball, whatever they're called, jackpots. Here's somebody, they got the ticket. And they, they match all six numbers exactly right. And they go down to the prize office to claim their big money prize. And the lottery people say to them, well, sorry. Sorry, well, there was a guy that came in earlier today and he had four of the numbers right. And so... uh we didn't want to be all strict about that. We didn't want to be so strict. Right? You got to have all six numbers. So, uh, so we just went in and gave the money to that guy. What's going to happen? Pretty quickly, somebody else is going to chime in and say, "Hey, I got a ticket with four numbers. Hey, what about three? Is three good enough? Can I get some money too?" What if on Saturday, this coming Saturday is Kentucky's last uh, final game of the of the regular season for college basketball? Going to be playing down at Florida. What if every time Florida makes a bucket, hits a shot? That the guy running the scoreboard, the guy keeping the score, he says, yeah, let's not be so strict about the rules, two-point baskets, three-point baskets. Every time the Gators get a shot, I'm going to give them ten points. Yeah, ten points for them. Don't want to be so restrictive with those rules. What's going to happen? Well, in about five seconds, Coach Cow is going to jump up off that bench and he's going to say, you give us ten points for every basket too. Actually, make it eleven. Give us eleven points for our baskets. Where does that end? Those are kind of ridiculous examples, but you see where I'm going with this. Where does that kind of thing end? Whenever there is a blatant disregard for the rules and the regulations that have been set in place. If we can ease up over here, if we can cut some corners over there, if we can be less restrictive in this particular area, then who's to say that we can't just go ahead and do that over here in another area? The passage that I need here is back in the Old Testament again. It's in Jeremiah chapter 6. In Jeremiah chapter 6, the prophet here expresses just a timeless truth about obedience. And I like the illustration that is used here because I think it's one that we can relate to. In Jeremiah chapter 6, look in verse 16. In Jeremiah 6 and verse 16, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask... For the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. You see what the Lord is saying there? What the Lord is saying there is that careful obedience, that's a safe place. It's described here as being the good way. It is the place where we can know that we can stand, and we can walk in it, and we can know with confidence that we have pleased the Lord because we're walking within the boundaries of His will. But of course, when we decide that we're just going to cast off restraint, we're just going to throw away the rules, then it's kind of like if you're driving on the road and somebody decides that they're just going to take all the guardrails off. Imagine you're driving around one of those big mountains, like a big cliff and a big over, you know, big fall off, big bluff. Somebody just takes all those guardrails off. What's, what's going to happen there? What's the danger there? It would be like driving down 27 and somebody decides, let's just get rid of all the red lights. Let's just get rid of those stripes in the middle of the road. Let's get rid of all the stop signs. Yes, I realize those things, they are strict. 
They do limit you to this space, and you gotta stay here, and you gotta stop there, and you gotta do all that. Yeah, there's some restrictions there. But those things also serve a very important function. They help us. Because without those things, there's gonna be chaos. There's gonna be confusion. Death may result. And that's why Jesus, or excuse me, that's why the prophet says, we need to find those old paths. Those ancient paths. Stand in them. Walk in them. Because they provide us certainty. Where we can know that we are pleasing the Lord. And so, if I'm talking with my coworker or my neighbor, or my friend, and they think that I, and the church that I'm a member of, that we're all just so strict, and we're legalists and Pharisees, and all that whole nine yards, what I want to ask is, is I just want to ask this question at some point. I want to ask, if we take down God's guardrails over here, then where else can we take some guardrails down? So for example, if we decide that we're going to add ourselves a praise band, and we're going to get rid of that guardrail that Ephesians 5.19 sets up about singing and making melody in our heart, we're just going to get rid of that and we're going to add a praise band, then well, then what about something else? What about, what about the weekly observance of the Lord's Supper? I mean, isn't that up for grabs as well? What else are we going to change? What other guardrails can we remove? Baptism. Baptism, you get talking with your friends about salvation, and baptism is always a sticking point. It's always a controversial point with our religious friends. Many think that we are being way too strict when we talk about baptism as being essential for our salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. Well, let's take that out, take that guardrail out. What else can we take out? We take out Acts 2.38 with the baptism. Well, repentance is also mentioned in there. We just take repentance out? We okay with that? We're going to take baptism out? Hey, you can, you can be saved without even repenting. You don't even need to change your life. You don't even need to turn and come to the Lord. You just keep on living in sin. Are we, are we okay with doing that? What about our moral issues? What about this homosexuality stuff? Lots of people in our world increasingly think that we are just being way too strict in our stance on homosexuality. Come on! It's the 21st century, people. Being gay, it's just not that big of a deal. It's just kind of normal. It's just kind of accepted. Okay. If we decide to chuck all the verses in the Bible that condemn the practice of homosexual behavior, and we decide that we're just going to be accepting of that lifestyle, we're just going to accept gay people as being, well, you can just continue on in that, and God will be happy with you, and He'll accept you. Okay. Can we start accepting pedophiles? Can we start accepting rapists? And if the answer is no, then then why not? You see, once you tear down that guardrail, then who's to stop this other guardrail from being torn down? And furthermore, who gets to decide where all of that has to stop? Because eventually somebody's going to say, hey, now, now you, you got to stop there. Well, well, who says? Who gives you the right? What position are you in to say, this is where that has to stop? In fact... That's Jeremiah as well, which you find Jeremiah 10, one final passage. In Jeremiah chapter 10, the prophet makes this astute observation. In Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, he says this, he says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. Who gets to decide where it ends? Who gets to be the picky police? That, hey, you know, this over here, this is okay, but that over there, no, no, that's too far and you can't do that. Who gets to make that call? Jeremiah says, we're not suited to make that call. 
We're not in any position to make that call. We are not capable of directing our own steps. And that is why over and over and over again, the Bible is calling upon us to submit to God's Word. Rather than thinking that I'll draw the line on what's right and what's wrong, rather than deciding that I'll figure out what's acceptable and what's unacceptable, rather than me making the decision that this is strict and, well, this is too strict, God's already made that final call for us. We don't even need to even give our input about that. God's already made the decision for us. It's simply a matter of us submitting our will to His will and then carefully obeying His Word. Because the moment that we decide that we're going to loosen up and not be so strict over here in one place, then that is the exact and precise moment when we open up the door to be disobedient in another place. And so you're talking with somebody. And they lie about that charge of, y'all just too strict. I mean, God bless you, but you're just too strict in your religion. Or you maybe get called those terrible names, legalist or Pharisee. My hope is, is that you will be granted the opportunity. And my hope is that you'll have the courage to engage these three areas. I think these are three simple lines of thought and reasoning that we want to talk about when we're talking with people about these things. And my hope is, is that maybe as you talk with folks, maybe that will help to diffuse some of the, some of the misconceptions, diffuse some of the ugliness that gets bandied about that people kind of mistakenly have toward us. Maybe it'll help shed some light and it may cause some folks to really kind of rethink some things. But you know what? Even if that never occurs, even if you're never given the opportunity to talk about those three areas with somebody, even if you do talk about those things with somebody and it doesn't lead anywhere, that didn't make this morning's study any less beneficial for us. Because I am compelled that all of us need to be reminded of these three things. We need to be reminded, number one, that there is no virtue in being overly strict, overly scrupulous, where we are adding essentially to the Word of God. And we need to be reminded, secondly, that we dare not loosen what God has bound. Because careful obedience to God that really is a mark of our love for Him. And we need to be reminded thirdly, that if we start loosening things, then there really is no consistent or logical place to stop. And what will happen is, is we'll just take ourselves further and further and further away from the Lord. Moses said in Deuteronomy, to strictly obey the voice of the Lord and be careful to do His commandments. That is not something, Christian, that is not something that we have to apologize for. Because it is the high calling to which God has called His people to do. Now as we extend the invitation of heaven, the invitation of Jesus Christ, you need to know right now that what is happening through the words of this song and through God working through His people, that God is calling you right now to careful obedience. If you're not a Christian... We're not going to apologize for one second for the fact that, yes, God is very specific. And He is very clear. And yes, if you want to say it, He is very strict about what He says a person needs to do in order to become a child of His. But this morning, we want to help you to do that. We want to help you to surrender your will to His. 
to repent and to be baptized, be buried with Christ in the waters of baptism as Acts 2 and 38 instructs so that you can come up out of that water something entirely new, a Christian forgiven of all of your sins. You can then begin a life of faithful, careful obedience to the Lord. Can we help you to become a Christian today? If you are a child of God, you've obeyed those first principles, but maybe in your Christianity, in your discipleship, brother or sister, you've not been very careful. Maybe you've taken that for granted, that God's, well, God's grace is just going to cover up everything. I do believe God's grace covers probably way more than we think it does. That does not give us a license to just be willy-nilly in our service to God. We need to be people who are strictly obeying His voice being careful to do His will. If you failed in that, brother or sister, repent. If you need us to pray with you and encourage you and help you to serve the Lord in a better way, we're ready to do that as well. Whatever your need may be, you simply need to come to the front and make it known. Do that right now while we stand and while we sing.